0: the following podcast is a proud member of the blue collar roots network find all the shows by visiting bluecollarroots.com you found the building hvac science podcast here's the host bill spone welcome back to another episode of the building hvac science podcast we're here to help hvac and building performance technicians better understand each other and work together with the ultimate goal of making customers happy in the homes they live in and the buildings they work in. We're joined on today's podcast by Scott Ringline, a clean energy and sustainability specialist and consultant. Scott was raised as a farmer and educated as an engineer with a first career path in the automotive industry. He ventured out in his own creating a second career in sustainability with a focus on energy efficiency, conservation, and renewable energy measures. Listen in to today's podcast, As Scott shares his journey and achievements, which include work for the U.S. Department of Energy and the founding of the Energy Alliance Group, or EAG, of North America in 2012. Scott helps us to understand PACE, which is property-assessed clean energy. There are a lot of great resources on his website with a link in the show notes. EAG has a four cores approach to green and renewable solutions. Those cores are technology, financing, incentives, and services. Again, there's a link in the show notes to the EAG, which is the energyalliancegroup.org. And you can contact Scott at sringline at energyalliancegroup.org. And that's R-I-N-G-L-E-I-N. There's also a link in the show notes to Scott's LinkedIn bio, if you want to learn more about his background. This episode was recorded in March of 2020. And let's listen in as Scott explains to us. P.A.C.E. Today, we're pleased to have Scott Ringline. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yep. So, Scott, your company is called the Energy Alliance Group. Tell me something about that. What does that mean? What does the Energy Alliance Group mean?
1: As a group, we represent a vast variety of solutions. So, we're not a one off, we're not just doing lighting or HVAC. We're really looking at a building as a whole. And then looking at different ways to improve its efficiency, any conservation measures, and then renewable energy improvements. And so when we work with a client, we're not going in to specifically do one improvement to the building. We really want to improve the building as a whole. So we look at it
0: as a group. Got it. Give us an idea of your background, what led you to this point to create the Energy Alliance Group, and I understand it was created in 2011?
1: Yeah, so a little bit about myself. I'm an engineer by trade, undergrad mechanical engineering, and then a master's degree in manufacturing engineering. I spent 20 plus years in the automotive industry. My last position, I was a chief engineer for a tier one supplier And spent most of my career outside of the U.S., for the most part in Asia, because my customer was Nissan. Fast forward till 2008, when we had the last meltdown. And I was one of thousands that were uh, let go out of the industry. So, as I say, went to work on Monday, and by 11 o'clock, I was home, single father, two kids. No car, no phone, no computer, no job. And certainly wasn't a good time to be looking for a job in Michigan or really the U.S. So in 2009, I hired an executive coach, spent six months figuring out, okay, how can I use my skill set and have an income and the first company I started was a business planning company. I was working with small businesses and startups on developing their business plans. And through my networking and connections, I ended up getting a job with the Department of Energy and the Obama administration, and worked on the American Recovery Act for two years as a technical advisor. When that finished up, That was really my first exposure to efficiency in general and the technology surrounding it. And that stint finished up around mid-2011 and came back to Michigan, got back into networking and met a gentleman that was in the lighting industry and what was of interest, which really spawned the Energy Alliance Group was the access to capital to do these projects. And it was long-term capital, fixed rate, and that was really my aha moment. Having a background in capital and automotive, I knew what the struggles were with certainly getting capital, but also achieving some of these crazy payback hurdles of one and two years. And the capital side of the equation was really the fix It wasn't necessarily the technical side, and that's what really launched the Energy Alliance Group back in 2011, and it's grown into what it is today. And we're still doing what we did back then, providing solutions to the challenges that building owners have in regards to efficiency, conservation, and renewable energy.
0: That's great. It's an interesting story. How do people find you? Where do they become aware of the skills and the talents that the EAG brings?
1: The website is the best place to go. That's www.energyalliancegroup.org. And before your listeners say, oh, they're a nonprofit, well, .org was all that was available when we started the company. We now own the .com also, but we've always went with a .org.
0: We had a number of topics. We had like a pre-call that was actually months ago. But one of the topics I thought would be interesting for our listeners would be the PACE program. Yeah. And its implications, because I think that's may not be well understood by the people that listen to this show. So can you first give us a definition of the acronym and then go back and where this started?
1: Yeah. PACE stands for Property Assessed Clean Energy. And it is a funding program for doing efficiency, conservation, and renewable energy measures for either an existing building or a new building. And the program started out in 2009 in California. It has now expanded to almost 40 of the U.S. states, and then it's been adopted in Canada and across Europe and some other countries. The structure of it has been around for a very long time. It utilizes the structure of a property tax assessment Gain access to funding. So, property tax assessments today are used for infrastructure upgrades predominantly. So, new roads or water lines or sidewalks, things of that nature. And typically, with a property tax assessment, if you own a building and there was an improvement done that you're going to benefit from, you're going to pay it. There's no choice in the matter, it just shows up on your tax bill. And typically, the assessments are typically 10, 15, 20, 30 years, depending on the cost and the the tax structure. But back in 2009, the inventor of it figured out that why couldn't we apply this to buildings, which really are considered infrastructure? There should be a permanent asset, not just one to be torn down. And that was really the essence on how it got started. Basically, if you own a building and you're in a PACE state and a PACE district, you can voluntarily take on a property tax assessment to do these types of improvements. And so the way it works is it's based off the value of the property. Depending on your debt structure, you can secure in the range of 20 to 30 percent of the value of the property. And then these funds have to be used towards these types of improvements, efficiency, conservation, and renewable energy. The catch here that is of interest to us, and it should be interest to all your listeners, is that you can secure funding for up to 25 years. It's fixed rate. There's no personal guarantee, and it's non-recourse because it's secured by the property, not by the property owner and upon sale. So if you sell your property in five years, that assessment and of course the improvements stay with the property and transfer over to the next property owner. So it's not like traditional debt that when you sell, you have to pay off that debt before you can sell the property. The other thing is that because it's a tax. It's considered a property tax. It's not a liability. So on your balance sheet, it's just an expense. You're just paying it on a monthly or biannual, depending on how it's structured. But that way you're not incurring additional debt. So it doesn't affect your credit or your ability to go out and borrow more money. And I know that's a 30,000 foot look at it, Bill, but that's really the structure of how it is. And certainly we can go into the details more about how it works and its ability to improve a building on a major scale rather than just looking at kind of the one offs.
0: Can you give us an idea of the 40 states or the districts or where these things are happening? Where PACE is allowed? available?
1: So, of course, California, Michigan. Actually, the easiest thing for the listeners to do is go to a website called pacenation.org. It's a nonprofit based out of Washington, D.C. And they track everything that has to do with PACE within the United States. So you can go there. They have a map of the United States. You can pick on your state It'll tell you whether or not it's been approved. And then if it has been approved, has it been implemented at the local level? So a little more information about that. The program is actually an act of law. So it's it has to be passed by the state legislation, which allows the local taxing authorities to collect this tax and place assessment on the building. But after the state passes it, they are not involved in property taxes. It then has to be adopted locally. So we call that kind of creating a PACE district. And that could be around a city, a county, even a township. So a lot of it is a grassroots effort to get this stuff adopted locally. The other thing is that once it's adopted locally, there will be some type of administrator that's going to manage the program. And then they're going to assist contractors and the funders in bringing this all together to actually make it happen and move
0: forward. So actually, I went to that link as you're speaking there to make the conversation a little richer for for our listeners. And I see that there are states where it's commercial and residential and also just residential and commercial. Can you Give a little description of why the difference and how does it play out differently?
1: Yeah. So originally when Pace started in California, it was introduced to expand solar on residential homes. That's really kind of where it started. Then, of course, Fannie Mae and Fannie Mac got involved, they poo-pooed that, and it immediately went into the commercial side of the business. It has now come back into the residential. But because You're dealing with the mortgage, traditional mortgage industry versus commercial mortgage industry. Residential has not expanded like commercial PACE has. And they call it C PACE versus R PACE. So in most states, commercial is approved, but residential is not. And then there are other states where both are approved, like California, Ohio, Florida there's a few other states, but it's few and far between. The structure is exactly the same in regards to you're taking on a tax assessment to make an improvement in those three categories that we spoke about. The only difference is really the size and scope of the projects. Commercial property, of course, is going to have a lot more value. They use a lot more energy. So, That's why there's been so much focus on commercial rather than residential. But on the residential side, it's the same structure. So you can get insulation, replace a roof, replace windows and doors, heating, cooling, lighting, all that all qualifies under the PACE program. But like we said, it's not everywhere yet. And so that's something that's it's slowly growing, but we've not seen it take shape in the U.S. like commercial has. In Europe, that's really where the focus has been is on the residential. So I think a lot of it has to do with mortgages backed by Fannie Mae and Fannie Mac because you're placing a security against a property that they have a vested interest in.
0: Give us an idea of the kind of projects that you've done at the EAG to give us an idea. And perhaps it tell us if they were PACE projects or not. Give me one PACE project and one non-PACE project.
1: Yeah. So most of our non-PACE projects are the low-hanging fruit. It might be a small business just looking to upgrade lighting or maybe a municipality, uh, city of Perry here in Michigan. We did all of their downtown lighting and all the lighting at their utility buildings and whatnot. So typically it's what we consider just a one-off. Hey, I need a new roof or I need a new HVAC or I want to upgrade my lighting. When we get involved with PACE, typically the client, believe it or not, is actually not necessarily looking to improve one area of their business. They're looking at, I need to reduce my utility costs and I want to improve my building. So when we get involved with a client like that, the first thing that we do is we assess their building. We don't necessarily do an audit. It's really a level one ASHRAE law audit where we're doing a walkthrough, but we're identifying everything that could be done under the PACE program. So it could be roof, it could be insulation, it could be doors and windows, HVAC, just a variety of things that we're going to look at. But then we take that data, we put it in what we call an opportunity matrix, and we rate them in regards to savings, estimated cost to implement, and then needs versus wants. Everybody wants everything, but there's certain things that are needed. And we have a little rating system that kind of gives a score. And then that way, we can sit down with a client and talk about, all right, here's everything that you could do. Here are the things that really need to be done, where you're going to have the biggest return on investment. And collectively, it's going to work within the PACE program. One of the things that I forgot to mention is the structure of PACE is set up so that the client never takes a dollar out of their pocket, meaning we're going to offset the assessment, this annual assessment, through utility savings and maintenance savings. So we're really looking at life cycle cost over the life of the asset or over the life of the assessment, whichever is greater. So for instance, back to your question about a project that we've done, this will be a really good one to understand the how it works, but more importantly, how it is able to do more than what the original intent was. So current client, they purchased a warehouse at 70,000 square feet. And it's all refrigeration and freezer. So raw food's going in there and they're either cooling it or freezing it. The first thing they did is they had an assessment done on the roof and it came back as just poor. It was just in terrible shape. It needed to be replaced. The cost to replace it was over a half million dollars and they didn't have access to cash to do it. And two, their internal payback hurdles was 1.7 years and there's just no way that you're going to achieve that with a new roof even if it didn't have insulation it would be very very difficult to achieve that so we were working with the clients on another project they asked us to come in and work with them on this they did not know about pace at the time and so what we were able to do is we were able to put the proposal together where we could secure 25 years of funding. And Again, this is a fixed rate to replace the roof. But the game changer here was, all right, now I have all that roof space. We put a one megawatt solar system on top of the roof, and that's what we were able to leverage from a utility reduction to offset the cost of the assessment. And so they went from, all right, I got a building with a bad roof. I can't afford to replace it. We'll spend a couple of hundred thousand dollars to repair it to, we came in with a proposal to replace the entire roof, give them a 25-year warranty, and then a one-megawatt solar system with a 25-year warranty. And because PACE includes maintenance costs, you're really looking at true life cycle cost, All the costs for maintenance for the solar system was included in the assessment calculation. So replacement of inverters, annual inspection, all those costs were included. And in the end, it was cash flow positive from day one all the way through till the end of the assessment period over the 25-year period. So that meant they reduced their utility cost and they had enough cash flow to pay the assessment, pay all their maintenance costs, and put a little money back into their pocket.
0: Wow. It's the kind of story, there are many layers to it. And it wouldn't be obvious at first blush that that would be something available. So they're very lucky to hook up with you and to have that understanding that you bring.
1: And while PACE is probably the number one program that we look at utilizing, that's not always the case. One thing that we do different than, quote, most of our competitors out there is a lot of competitors are really focused on the audit side of it. Selling the audits and identifying, here's where you can make the improvements. But in the end, they already know that they need to make the improvements and they need to reduce their cost. What they're looking for is how do we do it? And the how is usually the money side of the transaction. And so when we first meet with a client, we're not talking about the technical side of the solution at all. We're really focused on the funding side how are you structured, what are your rules of engagement, do you own the property, do you have any debt, stuff like that, we start there first. And then once we have an understanding of that and what funding mechanisms that we can bring in to support any type of improvement, then we go into identifying the variety of improvements that can be done. The other thing about PACE, and this is not uh, carte blanche in all states, but there's a lot of states that allow you to use PACE for new construction. And so I can give you another example of a project we're working on right now. We were brought in to assist them with improving their facility from an energy efficiency, conservation, renewable energy. And so they already had the project defined It's a manufacturing facility and a test facility, and they already had it drawn up. They had already purchased the property, but they had no funding in place yet. What we did is we brought in uh, USDA backed senior debt, and then we also brought in PACE debt. So we have $10 million of USDA senior debt, $2 million of PACE debt. What's important to understand here is that by bringing in both of them, from the same lender. Now we didn't have any issues with getting consent from the senior lender. Because that's one of the things with PACE is if you have debt on your building and you're gonna borrow PACE money, you have to get consent from the senior lender because they basically have a senior lien against the building. So in this case, we are able to bring in all the money in up front And then with new construction in Michigan, we can use it for new construction. Now you can look at anything that's going to be better than what code is. So the the easiest for listeners is lighting. Outside lighting, you can still use metal halide. Not that we would want to, but people still build brand new buildings with metal halide. So a PACE-approved upgrade would be going to LED, and putting in controls. All of this would apply to anything within the infrastructure of the building from the outside of the building to the inside of the building, what's code, what's base, and then what improvements can be made in those three categories to offset the cost. And it's just not the differential, it's the entire cost. So for this particular client, We're looking at solar, of course. They have a lot of peak load, so we want to do peak shaving and some storage. LED lighting, a building management system, so everything will be controlled. And then because they're a testing facility, they have literally hundreds of hoods that they're drawing the air from. So then we're looking at variable speed drives, but also control. So today, the way they do it, it's all manual controlled. But yet when you walk through the lab, there's lots of hoods that are on drawing air and there's no activity because it's a manual operation. They have to physically close the duct or the damper on it. So those are things that we would look at. The amount of insulation that they're using, even the building faces south. So for the windows, we're looking at doing shading that's on a control so that when you have a hot summer day, It's going to close, you're going to reduce the thermal load on the building. But during a sunny winter day, we want them open so that you're going to draw the thermal load. And then this would apply to HVAC systems, being able to really come in with the most efficient, or in some of the projects that we've worked on, hey, let's look at geothermal. That's certainly the most efficient that's out there. It's very expensive. But when you have time, we get a 25 or a 30 year assessment we're not so much considered about or we're not so much concerned about the cost itself it's more about hey what type of savings can we get over a long period of time while reducing the maintenance cost or replacement cost during that period it allows us to look at really everything and hence the group name we don't rep or wholesale any technology. We work with just a wide variety of technical solutions and partners. And then the building itself is really driving the solution, what the needs and wants are, not what we're selling that day.
0: I got a couple of questions for you. I know my listeners would be interested in this is building tightness, envelope tightness, air sealing. Are those ever addressed in any of these projects?
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. Especially, so one of the big things that we talk about is starting from the outside, moving to the inside. So the first thing that we're looking at is doors, windows, roof, and insulation. Even to the point where, hey, adding caulking or replacing door seals, these all qualify. It gets a little more trickier on the financial analysis side, but you can make some pretty good assumptions about the cost and the savings, and typically it's going to work out. But certainly that's the things that we're looking at. The first PACE project we actually did was an apartment building in Michigan. It was built in 1929. It still had the original single-pane windows. And so we replaced 231 windows secured close to $300,000 in PACE funding, and the return on investment their first year was upwards towards 30%. And it wasn't just the reduction of utilities, it was the maintenance. They could not find parts for these windows. They were actually manufacturing parts for the windows because of their age. So that's the benefit of PACE, unlike traditional debt. Traditional debt, they only look at all right, what's the cost of capital and what's my return? So, all right, I got to buy something cheap <laughs> to meet these targets. But then in five or 10 years, I'm spending a fortune on maintenance and replacement parts. Those are in corporate America, they're looked at completely separately. And we're pace brings them both together because one it's long term but more importantly we know that to achieve the savings you have to maintain the improvement so whether it's lighting hey got to make sure that you're replacing the lighting when it's done looking at the controls and then the same applies to HVAC is it being maintained every year are you replacing fans and blowers and motors and stuff like that and so There's a lot more focus on the preventative maintenance and the maintenance schedules than you would in a traditional debt transaction. And then in some states, so we're based out of Michigan. In Michigan, if the project is greater than $250,000, then there's an actual annual audit that's conducted. So we do a project. Every year, we're going to go back and take a look at it and make sure that it's performing as it should, but it's also being maintained as it should. Because nothing worse than, say you put in a brand new uh, chiller system or HVAC system, and there's no maintenance done. Well, of course, you probably got a 20-year assessment. In 10 years, you sell the building. Well, we don't want somebody handing over a worn out system that they still have to pay for for the next 10 years. So in some states, they've incorporated this to make sure that there's somebody else taking a look at what's supposed to be done, because when they enter into a PACE agreement, the monies to maintain it are there. It's in the savings. So that's part of what they should be doing is actually maintaining the improvement over the assessment period.
0: Just to touch back on that envelope tightness, I know know, a lot of my listeners use blower doors. Are you ever doing measurements to verify, or not verify, but maybe assess and then verify impact with air leakage test?
1: Most of what we've done up to this point have really been commercial industrial, larger scale, where we've really not gotten involved with it. However, and this is good for listeners to understand, So we already talked about the difference between just residential and commercial. On the residential side, that is really single-family residential. On the commercial side, it includes multifamily, and it typically has to be, I believe, three units or more. So with that said, I do know that some of the PACE developers out there, they have a lot of focus on more of the multi-family, quote, single-family residential, where they are utilizing those types of tools to determine, all right, where do we have the leaks and where can we improve the building from an envelope standpoint first, and then focus on what's going on on the inside.
0: Okay, just wanted to clear that up. Thank you. Yeah. Another thought here, and this is fascinating, and I think we're going to wrap up with this topic that I will ask you you sound like the real deal. I mean, you just got this from your background, your understanding, the way you explain things. This is a, an area that I would see in sense as being ripe for scammers. What is your, are your knowledge of any scammers out there, people who are presenting themselves in a certain way, but not fulfilling on their, what they're presenting?
1: So the only place where it's really been identified has been in the residential side in California. And The big thing has been the overselling of the savings. That, for the most part, has gone away only from the standpoint of, all right, rules and regulations have caught up. Most states and PACE districts require that the developers are approved. So, like, if you go to the state of Michigan and you go to the website For the administrator, there's going to be a list of companies that can do PACE projects. So it's not carte blanche. Anybody can do it. The other thing is in the state of Michigan, we as a developer, we have to conduct the financial analysis to show that, hey, if you do these improvements, you're going to save enough on utilities and maintenance to offset the cost. There are states out there that have implemented third party overview and most of them are actually on the east coast and so what they're doing is they're utilizing a independent third party to really verify the numbers that are being used now with that said most of the data that we're utilizing is coming from the owner hey tell us about your operation when are lights on? When are lights off? What are your operating patterns? Get us three years of utilities and stuff like that. So we're really depending on how they operate the building to take a picture of looking forward. Certainly, there are going to be some changes from that baseline moving forward, but hence the need to do this kind of check back on an annual basis to see what's going on so that if there is some finger pointing, now we're actually using factual data to do it. I would say as an industry in whole, they've done a really good job of making sure that those that are involved are, like I said, the real deal and they're implementing things that make sure there's kind of a check and a balance in regards to All right, you told me I'm going to save this type of money. Where is that coming from? Show me the math. And that's really our IP is the math side of things. We're looking at what are your expenses going to be in the future, not only today, but also in the future. So we're taking in consideration that and the maintenance cost, whether it's replacement or annual maintenance, we're including that in all the financials.
0: Awesome. Well, this has been very interesting, and that's exactly what I want to talk about here was the PACE program to make sure my listeners are aware of that. The best way to reach you would be through the website if someone wanted to follow up. Yep,
1: yep, certainly.
0: EnergyAllianceGroup.org. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we do projects literally all over the U.S. Currently, we got stuff going on in Massachusetts, Florida, South Dakota. So whether or not we're going to be doing the project in that area shouldn't matter. Certainly, we're here to help even to give direction to your listeners and clients in regards to, hey, these are the people you should be talking to, or this is a great source of information. I certainly am a firm believer in self-education, and I encourage everybody go to the, the Pace Nation website to learn more about it. There's a lot of white papers out there. But then there's also a lot of case studies, so you can get an understanding of, hey, who's using it and how is it being used and what type of business entities, because it can be used for nonprofits in some states, churches, just a wide, wide variety of businesses and building types.
0: Awesome. I want to thank you for coming on today, Scott. This was very informative. Like I said, this covered exactly what I want to do is I wanted to improve my understanding of the PACE programs and the different types and the businesses they affect and also residential. And you did that. Thank you.
1: Well, great. Thanks for having me and look forward to hearing from your listeners.
0: I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Building HVC Science Podcast, where Scott helped to explain to us PACE and from his perspective is the founder of the Energy Alliance Group of North America. If you want to keep with other things that I find interesting, you can follow this podcast on Facebook by typing in Building HVAC Science into the Facebook search bar. Some of the topics we discuss require technical training for proper interpretation or safe execution. So if you're a trained pro, you can go out right ahead and do it. If you're not, please consult with and hire a trained pro. The Building HVAC Science podcast is a production of True Tech Tools Limited and as an owner of True Tech Tools, I would also like to offer you a discount code, HVACBS. You can figure out what that BS means on your own. If you want to get a nice discount, check out at truetechtools.com if you're in need of any of the tools that we sell. In any case, thank you for listening to the Building HVAC Science Podcast, and we hope you come back and listen in again as we continue to interview people that I find interesting. Take care.